Hello, welcome to the Camden Fringe Pod, a podcast all about the Camden Fringe. Keep listening for a glimpse behind the curtains and to find out how you can get involved in, you guessed it, the Camden Fringe. Hello, I'm Michelle. I'm Zena. It's episode nine of the Camden Fringe Pod, and we've got a very exciting interview coming up. And uh, why is it exciting, Michelle? Because it's with the CEO of Brighton Fringe, Julian Caddy. What, notorious silver fox, Julian Caddy? Yeah, CEO. He's got letters before his name. Whoa, I think we should get some letters. Yeah, mine's going to be FOP. <laughs> what are yours going to be? Mine might be um, BRA or something like that. Nice, nice. Yeah, so we had a nice chat with him about fringes in general and Brighton Fringe. I enjoyed it. Did you? I did enjoy it, yeah. He's recently been to Adelaide and he's recently contracted COVID. He had a good time in Adelaide. COVID has been less of a good time, but you will find out about that in the interview. Camden Fringe news. What's the news, Michelle? Current show total, 38. Current application total, about 450. So get on with it. It's going to be a big one. We do have lots of people inquiring about when the application deadline is. And actually, this is something that we cover in the interview with Julian a bit. There isn't one, but we would advise getting a reel on. What I've been saying to people is if you want to be in the print brochure, which you do not have to be, try and get everything settled by the end of April. So when you say get everything settled, do you mean sort out your venue, confirm your dates? Sort out your venue and get registered by the end of April so that we can sort the brochure out in time. Yep. So you've got five or six weeks, but that's going to go past very quickly. I've got some news that I can tell you. So I've been helping out with a show that's going to take place at Charlton Arts Festival. Mm-hmm. And guess what I did? I didn't read an email properly. I'm always telling people, read your emails properly. And I always get frustrated when they don't. Guess what our brochure copy says? It says, we would like to put on a spoken word show. No. Cena. And learn from learn from my mistake, rookie, thinking that I know what to do and that I can just be dead casual about it. Yeah, you've got to pay attention to the details. Yeah, read things through properly. Don't be like Xena and just ignore it. Yeah. Right, let's uh let's have a chat with this Julian Chaplin. We've got a special guest today, Michelle. Have we indeed? You know who he is? Tell me, tell me. It's Julian Caddy from the Brighton Fringe. Hello, Julian. Hello. You've been very poorly with COVID. Well, I've got COVID, but I'm, 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 I'm managing all right. It's mainly a cough. Okay, well, we're very grateful to you for coming to chat to us. Not that you've come to chat to us, you're, you're still in your own I'm house. I'm still sitting. I haven't come anywhere. When does Brighton Fringe start? Brighton Fringe starts on the 5th of May. So not long now. Ooh, quite soon. Are you all fully programmed? Have you still got room for more shows? It's pretty much fully programmed, but registration is still open 
because it, there's no printed brochure. So it's which is a blessing and a curse in that there's no deadline for people. So it's great. But there's also no, there's no deadline. So people, <laughs> so people register whenever they like. And it means that, you know, it's just constantly stuff coming in. So there's about probably somewhere in the region of 750 events. Amazing. Wow. Do um, shows tend to do a full run with you or smaller runs? Um, they tend to do smaller runs. It tends to be, well, all sorts, really. You know, you've got one-offs all the way up to people doing two or three weeks. It tends to be, you know, an average is probably between three and seven days, I would say. And your your festival is one that you can't miss, like like Edinburgh, whereas with Camden Fringe, you can definitely not know that it's happening if you go to London and don't know that it's happening. But Brighton Fringe, it's like it's all over the city, isn't it? Um, yeah, but you still have a lot of people in Brighton going, oh, I didn't know the Fringe was on. But yeah, I think you, you'll always have people like that. And I guess if you even if you go to Edinburgh, if you go down, I don't know, Princess Street, um, there is, isn't really much fringe going on. Yeah, if you stay in your own little suburb of Edinburgh, you can right. definitely know it's not it's not going on. That's, yeah, that's true, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. But I think Brighton after Edinburgh is probably the longest established fringe in the UK. Is that right? Or is it kind of contested? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm up for hearing any contestedness um i mean there's been a fringe as part of brighton festival but at the same time as brighton festival since i think 1967 when the festival started but then the fringe became a separate entity well they started started a separate brochure and i think in 2002 but in the late 90s there was a, there was a brighton fringe festival and then there was the Brighton Festival Fringe at the same time. Um, so there was a sort of People's Judean Front against the People's Front of Judea um, court case threats between one and the other. And then they then they went into the same brochure. Um, and then from then on, there's been a separate Brighton Fringe um, ever since. So sort of late 90s. What have you got coming up that you're excited about? Um, well, the, the thing that's consuming us day and night at the moment is the fact that we're setting up a new venue um uh, i don't know for, for those of you that know brighton fringe there were two main venues at brighton fringe one one is brighton spiegel tent and the other one was the warren um and the warren had lots of financial problems after the pandemic uh, during the pandemic and um the warren is no more which is very sad uh very stressful it's been a big a, a long and tiring journey but the the lack of warren has meant that um there's a lot of a lot of a lot of shows that don't find venues a lot more than ever before a lot of people applying and not not finding space and so um we thought well yes it's great to have a have a new venue um but the the environment is such that independence finding it harder than ever to be able to set up and um, we're in a quite a privileged position to be able to do that mm-hmm. um, and also to be able to I suppose reassure participants that they're going to get paid silly things like that and to have a, a little bit more of um, a resource within the staff team to be able to get sponsorship and funding and, and whatnot so that's what we decided to do back in November last year we've tried to bring in as many venues possible to do shows within the, within our venue um like producing them so 
this year we're programming quite a lot, which is unusual. Um, we're, we're, we're an open access arts festival, and and there are and we have somebody doing the, like as the venue producer. It's an arm's length thing in that it's a separate company which has been set up. Um, it's completely a completely separate profit center and cost center, so it it has to pay for itself um, on its own um, and not be a drain on the organization financially. So that that's also been quite a challenge. Will that go on the site that the Warren was on? It's going to be north of St Peter's Church, which is where the Warren when, when the Warren came in at a big outdoor venue. It's where the Warren originally was, so it's just up up near the level by London Road, so just down the down um, Trafalgar Street from the station. So it's really it's really well located. And what's it called? It's going to be called Caravanserai. Ooh. Which is a festival site that already exists and has been part of Camp Festival for the past decade. And it's made of repurposed circus and fairground equipment and rides and dodgems and whatnot. Um, so everything is old bric-a-brac. All of the seating for the bars is in lots of caravans that have been cut in half and they're, they're lying around the edges. Wow. So it's very, very bright and it sounds brilliant. It's great. It's super, super, super amazing. Really expensive. And have they started building it already? Well, some things are already there and in storage in, in the West Country. Um, some things are being built. But it's all bespoke. Um, it's not a it's not like a big off the shelf MDF festival. It's gonna be really cool. It sounds super stressful. Look at my grey hair. <laughs> <laughs> But the plans are all coming together nicely and you're, it all looks like it's going to be great. Tickets are selling. Um, we've been getting sponsors in. It's a it's a real massive little puzzle um, to, you know, sudden, suddenly find you've got a, a half a million pound mountain to climb uh, again. But it's about diversifying income. Um, it's about making the festival more sustainable for the future, really. Um, trying to create a different model slightly from Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. Where, where it feels like the Edinburgh Fringe Society is in a state of more or less um, constant war with the venues, big ones certainly. They're not popular at the moment, are they? Yeah, it's difficult, really. I, I, I don't want to talk out of turn, really. Um, but it, but it, but in the end, it, it's it's a very complicated environment uh, up in Edinburgh. Um, a lot of very strong opinions, and and and, and increasingly the ven- the big big venues. The money's venues anyway. Um, they aren't just Edinburgh venues. They are that there are year-round arts organisations that that come to Edinburgh and um, and do very well. Thank you very much. But then they're they're also all over the place, down down your way, um, and elsewhere. Mm-hmm. That they are big big businesses. Whereas when when us lot started, I can probably put you two in the same boat as me. Um, it was you know it was a good deal less less the case you know they were very much more edinburgh focused but you know come you know 25 years later they they've really grown um thanks to the well their popularity because they did a good job which is fair enough it's made it harder for the smaller groups yeah i mean it's why i chucked it in in edinburgh really and when we started in 2003 um it felt like there was still a, a an opportunity to be able to go in and do it um and it, it just felt the bigger we got, the more the kind of the door was being a bit closed. 
by the influence of the bigger bigger ones. So you ran a venue in Edinburgh? Well, I ran Sweet Venues. We co-founded Sweet Venues um, in 2003 and was doing things you know, as, as, a, as a festival producer. Yeah, same as us, doing stuff in Edinburgh. Before getting fed up and think, thinking, do you know what? There's a, there's a life out there. There are other things. You don't have to revolve around August. Yeah, although for us it still does. <laughs> everything does still revolve around August. Yeah, still never had a summer holiday. <laughs> one day. Yeah, one day I'll take my daughter on holiday. Oh. But I don't know when. Oh, dear. Right, let's stop talking about Edinburgh. <laughs> let's stop talking about Edinburgh. Yeah, so if somebody wanted to come and do their one-woman clown show with jam at your festival... How would she go about it? Um, she, they would be welcome to come and look at brightonfringe.org um, and go to the take part section and, and have a look at all of the all of the FAQ thingies. FAQ is fringe speak for frequently <laughs> asked questions. Only in fringe. Does that, does that ever used? You can email our take part team at take part at brightonfringe.org with lots of questions there's no such thing as a stupid question um there is something called fringe academy where we have you know workshops and one-on-one sessions with people it's all free to find out more about brighton fringe as well i would suggest to met to, to sign up to the mailing list to go on the brighton fringe participants page and, and sign up to that and follow that i would suggest to sign into eventatron um, our friend of Entertron, and um, put your show in there. Mm-hmm. Um, look look around at the venues that might be available. And if you're not in a rush, and I would always advise you not to be in a rush, um, come and visit the Fringe first. I wouldn't try and do it right now, um, like sign up and do the show straight away now, I mean. But I want to do it. You want to do it now? Well, you can still do it. <laughs> you can still do it. Inform yourself as much as possible about the festival before diving in. And get a third party advice about the venue you're applying to. Talk to people who've performed there before. Really, the, the, in the end, the most important thing is to ask as many questions as possible. No one's forcing you to be in a festival in a fringe. So if you come here and go, I didn't sell any tickets, I didn't do well, oh, it's too expensive. In, in the end, it, it's, it's as good as you want to make. And I'm sure you feel the same way when you've got people coming and, and they'll, they'll just say, well, no one came to see my show. Yeah, it does happen. And, and you go, well, you need to go and do something. Do the social media. Hand out the flyers. Go get everyone excited about it because it's not going to happen all by itself and we can't sell all the tickets for you. We can make lots of noise about the whole festival. But we can't sell your show. Yeah, we've not seen your show. We don't know your show. We can't sell your show. You're the person who knows it and is the best advocate for it. Exactly. So since you've not had the printed brochure, have you found that that's had much effect on the ticket sales overall? Not really. Um, Last year we didn't have a brochure. We had Daily Diary. This year we've just got a printed map, which is um, a fold-out A2 map of all the venues with information on the other side about how to buy tickets, where to buy tickets, award seasons and, and whatnot. In the end, I think we probably will have a brochure again. I think if we can afford it, then we would. I think we're moving away from a brochure, but I think we're not quite there yet. Um, we've had to get rid of the brochure. But last year, it was we were coming out of Omicron, mm. I believe. Um, yeah. you know, I mean, 
yes, we've still got COVID. Indeed, I've got COVID. Um, but now people are going back to doing brochures again. I think we probably will. Mm-hmm. We probably won't do the app. You know, it's about the same price as a website and you only have about 3,000 registered users versus the website which has got millions of people millions of page views so it's a it's a different thing and and a a bit of a luxury unfortunately no I really like the app Mm. it's just not really used yeah we we really like the idea of an app and then we looked into the costs involved in developing an app and it was like whoa yeah Um, in terms of brochure it hasn't really affected ticket sales. In the end, it's nice to have something in your hand. When I know that whenever I go to Edinburgh, um, or I, I was in Adelaide last month and uh, popped over to Perth, I have the brochure. I don't think I even opened it. But then it's, I guess, everyone does things differently. And in the end, I'm just searching through, searching through the website. It's a lot easier. It's where you're going to buy the tickets anyway. Um, mm. And you, you kind of go, well, where do I want to go? I'd like to go over there what's on now and then look for it that's the most fun way of doing it i always think yeah try not to plan anything and how was adelaide adelaide fringe was great um i would recommend going to adelaide fringe it's really expensive to get there but if you can get over that minor thing it's it's great when you're there um it really does feel like you're either in brighton or edinburgh because pretty much everyone you bump into is at one of our festivals and, and I probably include Camden in that as well. Yeah, it's just one of those festivals that I think is on the map. You know, it it, it it's the touring circuit of our of our um our people. And are you out there talent spotting? Are you looking for shows for Brighton or are you just there to soak yeah. up the atmosphere? I was out there talent spotting, looking for looking, looking for shows, looking to speak to prospective venues for Brighton Fringe for the future, um, and um, yeah, all, all of those things. And so, if I was interested in maybe running a small venue at Brighton Fringe next year, for example, what would I need to do? Tell me what you're after. Um, we can have a look to see if there's anything around. Talk to us as soon as possible. Uh, have a look at the to what sort of zone you'd like to be in, what kind of space you'd like to go to, whether it's a pub or a, an empty space of some kind, a shot, empty shop front, um, a street corner, whatever it might be, and we can help you find it. Cool. So there's opportunities for producers and performers and everybody else, stage managers, Absolutely. techies, mime artists. Yeah, all of that. Lady clowns. Lady clowns with jam. Crazy Russians. Crazy Russians. Crazy people of any nationality, I think, is, mm-hmm. is, is good. I think that's. I think we have to remember not to take ourselves too seriously. It's what makes it, when you know it's a proper festival, I think. Yeah. Is there anything in particular you would like to take the opportunity to get across to our few listeners? Well, the thing I think about with fringe festivals is i want them to be useful it's a pay-to-play environment most of the people who take part in the fringe are unfunded they're doing it because they love it so what i'd like to hear from people who may be listening to this is what they'd ideally want from a fringe um to make it better for them it's a job that's never finished at a fringe festival you never have quite enough uh, money 
Um, we've certainly got lots to do. Yeah, it's a bit like going in a boat with a hole in it. You're just constantly bailing out. Um, you're going to get to the destination eventually, but it's it's just making sure that the people on the boat are getting what they need. We can get all lost in our own little problems and forget what it is we're there for. I think that in the end, what makes a good fringe festival is the is the fact that it's listening. And I think that's the most important thing. Very wise. Very wise words. <laughs> <laughs> Very wise words. He's like a sort of fringe Yoda, isn't he? That he is, yes. Go to the Fringe Brighton May. It is happening. Website go to. <laughs> <laughs> so that's today's episode done. Come back next week when we'll be talking to Annie and Alice from Sick in the City or SIC, having an interesting chat about accessibility ahead of the workshops we're going to be running um, in April. Thanks for listening. You can find us on social media at Camden Fringe everywhere apart from Instagram, where we are at the Camden Fringe. Our website's camdenfringe.com. That you do. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.